This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. BFM 89.9, 7.05 a.m. on Wednesday, the 21st of December. Good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Wang Xiaoning and Chong Jen Sun. As always, let's recap how global markets closed overnight. U.S. markets were up, ending four consecutive days of decline. The Dow was up 0.3%, S&P 500 up 0.1%, and the Nasdaq only inched up marginally higher by 0.01%. In Asia, Asian markets, they were all in the red. Nikkei was down 2.5%. Hang Seng down 1.3%. Shanghai Composite down 1.1%. And the Straits Times Index down 0.1%. And the FBM KLCI, it was down by 0.7%. So, for some thoughts on what's moving markets, we speak to Song Sengwoon, economist at CIMB Private Banking. Sengwoon, good morning. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'd like to start off us off with the Bank of Japan because they caught markets gets off guard yesterday by tweaking its yield curve control policy. So this allowed the yield on the 10-year JGB to move 50 bips on either side of its 0% target. And as a result, the yen also appreciated by 4% against the US dollar. Do you see uh, more leaks to this rally? And what are your reactions, I suppose, to this change in policy? Well, I suppose the shock from uh, the BOJ certainly makes this year I suppose it's a reminder that you can never take anything for granted uh, in a very, very turbulent uh, year. It certainly wrapped up a, a very, uh, shall we say, exciting year. So I suppose this is really inevitably, you know, uh, the last central major central bank in the world finally just saying, OK, uh, we are also turning a little bit more hawkish now. Uh, perhaps uh, longer term inflation and inflation expectation Asen will not be, you know, uh, as certainly in Japan, not as depressed uh, anymore. It'll be interesting to see what the uh, this coming Friday, uh, November CPI for Japan. It certainly will be more than a four decades uh, high. It's a question of how high. So I suppose with central banks around the world still likely to remain hawkish, um, and certainly that's the 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 sound from key U.S. official, European official. University, I suppose uh, Japan is also, well, not quite throwing in a towel, but at least moving uh, in that same direction of, of, of uh, you know, turning hawkish. So it's not, not something to be ignored because you have implication going forward uh, for a country which is a net uh, lender. We could see big shift in the global landscape if uh, you know, Japanese uh, start bringing back money because we are seeing uh, longer-term risk-free now in perhaps half a percent. doesn't sound like a lot, but it certainly is after years of, of, sort of close to zero or negative interest rate in Japan. And Sengun, does this mean that the Bank of Japan will likely look to raise interest rates finally next year? Well, it certainly looks like heading that way. Um, and if inflation, uh, after all, you know, the, the Japanese CPI, has been well above the BOJ targets uh, for over half a year now. And I think, uh, the, as I say, the Friday one will, I think, confirm uh, that trend. Even though global commodity prices may have peaked, uh, we are seeing, I think, still a very robust uh, labor market uh, in Japan. Uh, and that is likely to be still supportive of 
spending uh, and certainly with a stronger yen, uh, that certainly may help uh, as far as the Japanese to, to deal with uh, the perhaps more higher and longer period of inflation and wage adjustment as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this one play out. It will be a slow burn uh, for impact on global credit market, impact on the Japanese yen uh, and other currencies around as far as, as this shift and implication. It still will be, I think, uh, dissected and, and, and we'll certainly be looking to see how it plays out uh, over the coming uh, months as we head into 2023. Okay, let's look at uh, China because uh, when we look at interest rates, they kept the one-year and five-year loan prime rates steady in December. Was this a surprise to you or in line mm. with your expectations and part of um, just them pushing the economy forward? Mm. Mm, yeah, I think, well, BOJ uh, have shifted. The Bank of China, on the hand, is still leaning the other way, uh, still looking at ways and means to support the economy more on the monetary front on the fiscal side, but with this, um, uh, I suppose, one of the, this is one of the key lending rates and they left it unchanged for the fourth straight month uh, in this last 15. It, it's, I think it's a case of still the central bank trying to strike that balance uh, in terms of helping uh, the COVID hit economy uh, as well as supporting the, the currency. The one-year loan, uh, LPR, is used for the Corporate and household loans have been changed. Five-year uh, rate is really a reference for mortgages maintained. Um, and I think it was last week they maintained their medium-term policy rate uh, as well, while partially lowering over some maturing uh, loans. They had cut both the LPRs in August, so it's quite calibrated and targeted. Will certainly be see, I think, uh, more support from fiscal side as the economy. Uh, try to emerge uh, from uh, COVID and the restrictions. So not the end of the story for the, the PVOC. Uh, there will still, I think, be room for them uh, to continue to ease monetary policy should, uh, I think, it's just more calibrated. Okay. Do you see them using um, LPR as the means of managing liquidity in 2023? Or are they also going to be looking at other measure, measures such as tweaking the bank's reserve ratios? Um, yeah, all of them, certainly, in terms of the LPR. Again, as I say, striking that balance in terms of ensuring uh, that the, quite selectively, I mean, as I said, you know, uh, China has cut both the LPR back in August, so they will be selectively using that. As you said also, we have got uh, room on the reserve requirements side and reserve rates have plenty of room uh, to be notched down. They don't want also uh, to be too aggressive because... They have managed to cool down the, the very hot property sector and property speculation. They don't want to be too aggressive in uh, cutting rates uh, uh, in case it starts to reignite over the housing sector again. So they have been quite careful in terms of how they manage the lending rates for both the corporate and household loan as well as for those using a restaurants for mortgages. And Sengun, the global equities rally seems to be losing a bit of steam due to the Fed's continuing commitment to raise interest rates. Should Asian investors go long or short? Well, I suppose it's really a case of what's the risk appetite and to what extent you want to look forward to. We know, and certainly from the sounds of uh, the major central banks, that they are still in a rate tightening mode, primarily because 
uh, while inflation may have peaked and on the way down, labor market condition, whether we are talking about in the U.S., in Europe, um, here in Asia, remains fairly supportive. And people are still spending. Don't know whether this is just a case uh, of uh, revenge traveling, revenge spending, but people are still spending. Wage growth remains firm. Labor market remains supportive for spending. So uh, as long as labor market condition remains strong, which is good because people are still spending and we're certainly getting that reflected in, uh, well, I think last night, in, in terms of results from both Nike, spending was being supported. But on the other hand, uh, FedEx reported some slowdown in global growth momentum and uh, and shipment as well. So it's really a case of this parts of the global economy still doing well, other parts softening, how it plays out on the overall impact on the labor market will be important. But for equity market, again, if companies are still reporting that they're getting the sales and they're able to pass on the higher costs, then that's good. It's a question then of being more selective in terms of where you see engines are still coming along and where things are starting to slow a little bit. So one has to be uh, quite discreet in terms of positioning, I would say, during this period where there could still be plenty of shots, as just seen from the BOJ uh, yesterday. Sengwon, thank you very much for speaking with us. That was Song Sengwon, economist at CIMB Private Banking, giving us some of his uh, takes on the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead, commenting there on the shock, I guess, decision by the Bank of Japan, um, which just goes to show, even though it's less than two weeks to the end of the year, there's still there's still things that could happen. Yeah, I think they really had no choice, right? Because for Japan, for the first time, they've had inflation, if I'm not wrong, above 3%. Uh, and the cost of living pressure was immense, partially because Japan is definitely a net importer of gas, elect, uh, energy. So I think they, they just couldn't be the last man standing when it came, when it came to monetary policy. And um, Sangwood did cap off the conversation there, mentioning some of these stocks that we've had our we have our eye on this morning. Beginning with FedEx, that reported quarterly earnings and sales in the second quarter that uh, fell from the year ago period. We see net income falling to seven hundred eighty-eight million U.S. dollars from one point zero four billion dollars last year. Uh, sales fell to twenty-two point eight billion dollars in the same period, uh, down from twenty-three point five billion dollars, um, and falling short of estimates. And earnings per share came in at $3.18, which is ahead of analyst estimates, but well off the $4.83 a share for the same period last year. Revenue was close to $23 billion versus an estimate of $23.8 billion. And FedEx did warn of persistent weak demand, but their aggressive cost-cutting measures were softening the blow. It said it is able to cut another $1 billion beyond what it forecast in September, so bringing the total fiscal 2023 savings up to $3.7 billion. Well, the street is evenly split, actually, if you look at it, pretty much so, because there's 16 buys, 17 holes. Consensus target price for this stock, $191.69. During regular market hours, the stock was down $4.43 to $164.35. And I think we have one more stock, right? Nike. Let's very quickly cover Nike. So Nike's earnings and revenue for the second fiscal quarter easily beat Wall Street's expectations, 
but higher costs squeeze the company's margins. Earnings per share came in at 85 cents versus the estimated 83 cents. Revenue was 13.3 billion US dollars, up 17% from a year earlier. However, inventories um, did go up in terms of on year. It went up 43% to 9.3 billion dollars. Um, I do mm. think that's quite indicative of something. Yeah, whether there'll be uh, you know in write downs later in terms of the inventory stock in coming quarters. I think the other thing to look at is probably results coming out of China, right? Uh, whether that segment has actually declined and it did drop by 3% compared to last year. I wonder whether that's just, whether coming quarters will actually show even weaker numbers. This morning, uh, during regular market hours, Nike was actually up 16 cents to $103.21. Street still likes it, 26 buys, 13 holes, 1 sell. Consensus target price for this is $115.40. All right, 7.18 in the morning. We're heading into some messages. When we come back, we'll cover more top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. Moving forward with you. Visit cmbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.